Coast Church Charlotte. Preach too. Just saying. So I'm very honored to stand here today to speak to all of you. And I have had several people ask me over the years, when are you going to speak? When are you going to speak? When are you going to speak? God, that is not my gifting. And God has not called me to do that. Um, but every once in a while, he gives me a nudge. And he says, you know, you, you probably maybe should put back out some of the things that I've put into you. And so after a while, you start feeling guilty. You feel like, God, you're holding on to th- I'm holding on to things that you've given me. And so I want to give some of those things back today. And I hope that you get something from the things that he's given me, that I'm able to give it back to you today, and that you, um, that you get something from those things. <clears throat> My name's Charla, by the way. I'm 50. I don't feel 50, but I'm 50. I have two amazing kids that God gave us late in life. <laughs> I have a, a almost 16-year-old and a 9-year-old. And I am very blessed to have those little boogers in my life. God has, uh, you know, we wanted more, but it just didn't work out that way. Ellery came along when I was 41, and um, I'm pretty much sure the factory was closed after that. But we wanted more. (laughs) So, I know, right? (laughs) So, one of these days. But um, I grew up in rural Louisiana. Like, we're talking rural Louisiana, okay? I grew up where there was cows, more cows than people. A lot more cows than people. We had one little stoplight in our town, and uh, my father was our pastor. We, he had a pastor, fairly large church. Uh, didn't start that way, but it became very large in our community. And people would drive for miles, sometimes an hour on Sunday, which is common in you know urban areas like this as well. But people would drive all out from the communities and come in for church on Sundays. So we had a very thriving church, a very large church in this very small community. But the thing about small communities is if, if you grow up like that, you know there's no emergency services in small communities. So when you grow up out there, you're kind of isolated and you feel, you know, I, I didn't know any different because I had I'd never seen anything different, but there was no such thing as an ambulance in Wisner, Louisiana. It was, it, was little, it was a little podunk town, you know, and there, there was no such thing as an ambulance anywhere close to us. The closest hospital was an hour away in one direction or an hour away in the other direction. And uh, that, was, that was going at a high rate of speed. So I grew up in an environment being exposed to a lot of faith and a whole lot of trust. <laughs> We saw miracles. We saw God do amazing things. I was exposed to so much as a young child, hearing my dad talk about things. And you know, the pastor is very integral in a community, in a small community, because sometimes that's your only source of any emergency help. Call the pastor, because we need somebody to pray. Because that, that's your source. That's your emergency source, is get somebody to pray for you. Call your mama, because you know your mama knows how to pray. So I grew up in that kind of an environment where we saw this sort of things, and if something was wrong, you didn't run to the doctor because there was no doctor anywhere close to you, and you probably didn't have money to go to the doctor anyway. Uh, very, very poor people. So we, 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 we learned to cultivate, my family learned to cultivate, the community, we learned to cultivate an atmosphere of faith and an atmosphere of trust. And every single day, there were things that happened that were amazing. And it became common for us. And it built us a platform of trust, of knowing that if I go to God about something, he's going to be there. 
But if things don't happen and it doesn't turn out like I want to, it's okay, it's okay because God's still there and he's still in control. And things are going to be okay. So I grew up knowing that and feeling that and hearing those stories and, and the miracles and all those wonderful things around me. And my dad is known as a tremendous man of faith. Everybody has always said that. You know, uh, Sonny Nugent, is, he's, he's a man of faith, and, and he's built two amazing churches. And um, I, I, was, I feel like I was birthed in that. I was birthed in an atmosphere of faith and miracles and expectation and trust. So... When I got a little bit older, we moved to South Louisiana and um, graduated from high school when I was 16, went to college, decided that wasn't for me at that moment, went to Bible college, met an amazing man there, and fell in love with him and eventually convinced him to marry me. Took me a little bit. He had to learn, you know, he had to fall in love with me first, but I I eventually convinced him. So, you know, we were engaged and and, uh, excited about that, and and he went off, and he was a year ahead of me, so he graduated, and he took off and left me, and uh, I was left there at college. Well, while I was at college, I got sick, and uh, I was sick for a couple weeks, going on different antibiotics. You know how when you're away at a college town, you go to urgent care, or you go to the college campus um, medical center if they have one. We didn't have one, so I had to go to urgent care, and you get on antibiotics, and nothing worked. And I came home one weekend after two weeks of being on different antibiotics and different things and still being sick, and I came home and uh, woke up on Sunday morning, had 104 fever again, violent chills, and my dad said, well, you got to go to the hospital. No, I don't want to go to the hospital. <laughs> if I had to go to the hospital, I have to go back to school. You know, my life is, my life is important right now. I'm 20, you know, and, um, but I had to go to the hospital, and I went in the hospital, and then they moved me to ICU the next day because, you know, I had to be dramatic and have chest pains, and, but I was okay, and then that night I wasn't okay. I went into a coma. So, you know, I was 20 years old and went into a coma, and this was 30 years ago, and the doctors, they had no idea what was wrong with me. Eventually, they figured out that it was some sort of virus, but they didn't know what to do with it. Because, you know, viruses are not easy to treat. I don't know if y'all realize that about after three years of COVID. But viruses are very difficult to treat. And, you know, 30 years ago, we, don't, we didn't know the things then that we know now even. And um, so I was in this coma, and they told my family, well, she's not going to wake up from this. She is going to die, so you need to prepare your family and to get everybody and um, let them know. So I, I call home this week. You know, because it's amazing when you go through something like that, and it was a very, very dramatic event in my life, and it, it changed my life forever. But when you go through something like that, it's hard to get... Um, to get everyone's perspective and think, what were you thinking? What were, what, you know, in hindsight, because you, you only see your perspective for a long time. Um, so I called home this week and I'm, I was trying to call, call my mom. You know, it's Mother's Day week, I call my mama. So I called home and uh, I got my dad, which happens a lot. So I got my dad on the phone and my dad is, he's comical, he's funny. And I said, um, so dad, I was just curious what we all were thinking when I was going through that. And he said, you know, he said we were preparing for a pretty funeral. Because <laughs> my dad's comical. He said, no, he said, uh, he said, we were trusting God. He said, they were telling us you were going to die. He said, we had faith. He said, we were, we were just trusting God like we always do. Charlie, he said, we, we have never gotten down or depressed. You're scared of things, yeah. But just, he said, we just, God, 
We trust you. It's in your hands. She's yours. And he said, and that's, that's how we lived. Within 24 hours, I did come out of the coma, and they realized that I'd had a stroke at that point. I managed to walk from a wheelchair to the car 10 days later after the doctors I had about 10 different doctors and they all had thought that I was going to die and that I when I came out of the coma and they realized I had a stroke I was paralyzed on my right side I had vision going multiple places couldn't talk straight it was it was a mess and when I walked out of that hospital 10 days later no one could have ever imagined that I would be able to do that they told me that I would never be able to walk normally again. I would never be able to sing. I would never even be able to talk straight again. I would never be the person that I had been before. And they were right. I have never been that person. I have never, ever been that person again. I'm a totally different person now. God healed me. It was not... There were, there were quick parts of it. But it was a very slow process as well. But through all of that was trust. He built a sense of trust in me. A trust that he is not going to leave me. He's not going to forsake me. And I've said many times, I was never afraid of dying. Because I had so much trust in God. God, I, I, I'm not scared of that. That doesn't scare me at all. I didn't want to leave my family. And I felt bad for them. But I had so much trust. He built that in me through that so I got to thinking about trust and I thought Lord now, now if you if I'm going to live for you y'all excuse I have a shirt on under this I promise I'm not flashing you I said if I if I'm going to talk about what I want to talk about today I got to talk about trust too trust, trust matters because that's the foundation of faith and I'm talking about faith today but trust is the foundation of that. If you don't have trust, then you don't have a foundation to stand on. So I thought about that. I thought, Lord, no, Lord how, do I, how do I give an example of trust? And, and I thought, well, you know, it's, it's as simple as the ground I'm standing on. Yeah. I trust that this platform, it's a pretty firm foundation. It's been here for a lot of years. Now, my, my knees don't like that, but I feel pretty secure. I don't feel like I'm going to fall through this platform. It's solid. I trust that platform to hold me. Now, I know that's a simple example, but it's true in all of our lives. There are things that you absolutely trust God. You, 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 just, you just know those things are going to be, that's going to be that. You know, if I walk up to my husband right now, object lesson, I'm not going to do it, but he's, I know him. I know him. I've been married to him for 2,800 years. <laughs> That's what he says, 2,800 years. But, you know, if I walk up to him right now and I say, <clears throat> nothing, and I just put my arms around him, he's going to be like, well, okay. And he's going to hug me back. And he'll probably say, well, okay. And hug me, and he's going to say, are you okay? But he's going to hug me back. I trust that that man's going to hug me if I walk up to him and put my arms around him. Because he loves me. I trust him. I built a relationship with him for 2,800 years. We know each other. He knows me, and I know him. I know that when the sun comes up tomorrow, it's going to be there. I may not see it. There may be clouds in the way, but it's going to be there. There's going to be a sun in the sky tomorrow. Amen? Trust is built on relationship. It's built on a long-term kind of a thing. 
It is one of the most important things that we see in the scripture. Over and over and over, we are told to trust in God. That is so hard. It is so hard. <laughs> but you have to remember that there is only one constant in the world. Everything else can change. Your children are going to grow up. You may get divorced once or twice or three times or more. You may get sick. You have family members that get sick, that die. Your job changes. Your circumstances change. Your home changes. Where you live changes. So much changes. There's only one constant ever in your life. Psalms 9 and 10 says, And those who know your name put their trust in you, O Lord, because you have not forsaken those who seek you. Amen. Proverbs 28 and 26 says, Those who trust in themselves are fools, but those who walk in wisdom are kept safe. Proverbs 3 and 5 through 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. Amen. I think we all know that one. We've all heard that one. You know, when you come to God, and some people don't come to God until they're older. You know, you have some experience with God. Some of you, 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 you grew up maybe with your parents, your grandparents, somebody, or you're exposed somewhere along the way. But you may not come to know God as yourself until you're an adult. And unfortunately, you form a lot of bad habits before that. You come to God with baggage. You come to God not trusting people. And you automatically associate your trust with people to God. You automatically put that on him. Because it's normal. It's a normal process that we do. Because if, if I walk up to my husband and, and he doesn't hug me when I want to hug, I, I automatically feel a little weird. I feel a little strange. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, maybe he doesn't want to hug me in public. And maybe, maybe that's, that's not something that we have. And so maybe I'm a little hurt by that. But there's a little bit of trust there, too, that's broken. Because he's my person, or I thought he was. But he, he didn't hug me when I really needed it at that moment. So there's a little bit of, little bit of brokenness in there. A little bit, of, little bit of trust that gets broken. And from then on, that's how you treat that, that relationship. You treat it like there's a little bit of something broken in it because it mattered to you in that moment. And so when we come to God, take all these little hurts and these little things that are built up in our life, and we say, okay, God, here I come, but oof, I don't want to be hurt. So I'm not sure I trust you very much. And God, I'm going to pray for these things, and, and I'm going to praise you, but I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't, really, I don't really know how I feel about that. I'm, I'm, not really, I'm not really sure if I can give you this. God, I'm not really sure if I can open up my, my heart and say all these things. And I think that, that for a lot of us, too, it, maybe it comes down to not feeling very valuable. We don't feel very important because life has beaten us up. Life has taken pieces of us. And we don't feel like that we're important enough for God to have a relationship with. Like, God, you don't really. Do you really see me? Do you really know me? I'm just, a, I'm just another person here in church. I just come. And you know, there's one or two people that I think know me, but I'm not sure that you know me, God. I'm not sure that you see me. You know, Nathan and I got married, and 
we lived in, um, we, well, we traveled full time for a long time, and he's joked about how poor we were. We were so poor. <laughs> but we, we, you know, we didn't care. We, we were, I mean, we cared, but it, it was just a stage of life. We didn't think that much about it. At least I didn't think that much about it. I'm sure he did, because he's, he he's an obsessive worrier about everything. You are a worrier. He is a worrier. He thinks about everything. This man is so analytical. Woo! I think that's why God put us together, because I am not. <laughs> I'm like, okay, Lord, you do it, Jesus. Won't he do it, Jesus? <laughs> you know, so, um, so he put us together to kind of balance each other a little bit. <laughs> so we came to, uh, we, we lived in, we kind of based out of Houston for a while because I decided I want to go back to school. You know, I decided I want to be a doctor. I want to be a pediatrician. That was my goal in life. And so I was in, I was in school. I was going to the University of Houston. I was in pre-med. I was doing good. I was making good connections, doing great in school. Everything was going great and wonderful. And then... It wasn't. And Nathan, we found out he had cancer. And we've been in Houston. We, we had this little, little, little tiny little condo, y'all, 750 square feet. We were so proud of that little condo. Was, we were living in the ghetto. And uh, I would get home from school, and he would come out and meet me with a gun tucked in his back pocket and walk me in. That's, <laughs> y'all think I'm lying. It's the truth. <laughs> it was so ghetto. There was, like, you know, shootings on the street regularly, this kind of thing. But we were so proud. We had that little little condo, and we'd base out of there, and he'd go out and preach. And, and um, our life was... Um, we were young and in love and married and trying, me, I was trying to recover from stroke and all this wonderful, fun stuff that you do. And <laughs> he got cancer, and so we had to come to Charlotte because his health insurance was based here. That was the only way that God would have ever gotten us to Charlotte. We were determined not to come here. I don't know why. We just determined that God did not call us to Charlotte. <laughs> so... He brought us here, though, against our will, kicking and screaming, and put my husband through six months of H-E double hockey sticks. <laughs> Have you ever been through chemo? You know that's rough stuff. So we went through that, and I came here. I came to Charlotte determined I still wanted to go to medical school, but I was like, well, you know, this is, this is life. This is what happens, right? Things change, right? Things change. Nothing ever stays the same. God's the only constant. So we came here, and um, I... We, we got through chemotherapy, and, and then I was like, okay, well, I, I guess I'm going to go back to school. What else are you going to do, right? So I transferred into UNCC, and I started going to school. And You know, the problem is there's no medical schools anywhere around here. I don't know if you all have noticed, there's no medical schools anywhere around here. And um, they're talking about opening a program, and they're trying to get it open here, but we didn't have one. And so I thought, no, Lord, I, I, don't, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm, I'm a little, I don't know what I'm, yeah, I don't know. But I'm here. You brought me here, so I'm here. So I, I, I just kept going and, and did the only thing I know to do, which was go to school. And um, kept trying to do everything I knew to do in, in my life and felt a little empty and a little grasping and unsure and wasn't on firm foundation, but I did what I knew to do. I went to school. And I went a little longer, and I met someone, I talked to someone, and she started talking about pharmacy, and I'm like, oh, that sounds good. And, you know, she talked about what you can do in pharmacy now and how it's different, and I'm like, wow, that, sound, that does sound good. That sounds, sounds like it would really fit me. And I was like, you know, but there's no pharmacy schools anywhere around here either. And I said, now, Lord, I don't know. I, don't, I mean, I don't really know, y'all. I, I didn't know what to do. I was like, well, Lord, I, I'm just, I'm just going to keep going to school. So I kept going. And I went into one of the, probably the most depressing times of my life. I didn't know what I was doing. I couldn't figure out what I was doing in Charlotte. 
I couldn't figure out why God brought me here. And I was like, no, Lord, I understand why you brought him here. Because, you know, this is his home. This is where he's from. And I get that. But what am I doing here? Lord, there's not a person in this church. Now, listen, this is, this is how, how, how it feels sometimes. I'm not saying this was true. This is just how emotionally I felt. Lord, there's not a person in this church that likes me. They're used to people that put on airs and look pretty and keep their self looking all you know, fancy and act like they're somebody they're not. And that's not how I was raised, and I'm just not going to do that. And I, I'm me. I'm just me. And if I, I, I don't know that I, I really can fit here. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I love him, and he loves me, and I know that, but I don't know much else. I don't know about these people in this church. And I don't know about this church, and I don't know about this city. I've never lived in a city quite like this. I, I don't know. And so I felt, I felt unseen, and I felt isolated. And I didn't feel like God even knew where I was. And I came to church one Sunday morning, pretty much backslid. How many of you ever come to church and you're backslid? Nobody knows you're backslid, but you're backslid. A backslid's an old-timey term. We don't talk about that very much anymore. But you come to church, and you sit there on the pew, and I'm just going to be honest with you. I was backslid, y'all. I went through the motions. I raised my hands, and I said, I love you, Jesus, and I praise you, Jesus, because I do love Jesus, and I did praise Jesus. But there was nothing in my heart that was about knowing God. There was nothing in my heart in that moment about my faith and my trust and the atmosphere that I had grown up in. None of that was there. I was so empty and broken. And I wanted to love people, but I didn't feel like they loved me. So I, I, I didn't know how to love them. I, I wasn't used to being looked at with criticism. I, I, I wasn't used to somebody looking me up and down and seeing if I was good enough, if I had on the right kind of clothes, or if my hair looked okay. I, I, that's how I felt. I felt like everybody was looking at me and staring at me all the time, trying to see if I measured up, if I was good enough for him. <laughs> I wasn't, but it's okay. He don't mind now. He's gotten over all that. <laughs> but you, you know, I, I came to church that Sunday, and Nathan was preaching, thankfully, because I have gotten more blessing out of my husband preaching over the years. I can't even tell you. God has spoken to me so much over the years of him preaching. And he preached a message, and I couldn't tell you. I couldn't tell you what you preached, baby. I really honestly couldn't tell you. I just know I was needing something. But he preached, and he read the scripture from Isaiah 49. It talks about the children of Israel, how God had brought them out of Egypt, and they were in the wilderness. And they were lost. And they were complaining and saying, God, you've left me out here, and I'm all alone. Yes. Have you brought me out here to die? Yes. Did you just bring me here to die? Yes. You know, and it don't matter how much promise you got on you when you feel like you've been abandoned. Yes. You forget about the promises. You know, I, I was birthed in miracles. I was birthed in faith. I was birthed in trust. I had so much poured into me. And people saying, you're going to do something great for God. And I was empty and scared and lost because I felt like God didn't see me anymore. God didn't know me anymore. 
So he preached that message, and he read, but Zion said, the Lord has forsaken me. The Lord has forgotten me. And that was my emotions when I came to church that day. And the word of God came to them and said, can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she has born? Though she may forget, I will not forget you. See, I have engraved you in the palms of my hands. And your walls are ever before me. And that one line, I have engraved you in the palms of my hands. I have engraved you in the palms of my hands. Lord, you're not going to forget me. You didn't forget about me just because I felt alone. Because I felt empty. You didn't forget about me and you didn't leave me. And I started to, to, to let that mull in my spirit. And I said, God, I know you, br- you brought me through being sick. And you brought me through that. And you brought Nathan through this chemotherapy. And you brought us here. And I'm, Lord, but Lord, I, did, did you, do you see me? Do you know me? Do you love me? Do you care about me? And I started looking for things to tell me that God knew me and he cared about me. And I st- you, know, you know, if you go in the Bible and you start looking, oh, I love Psalms. How many of you love Psalms? You spend any time in Psalms, boy, you talk about some excitement, some encouragement. You will get into it in Psalms. And, um, but I just started going through, and there's a lot of Psalms in here too, but I got a few other scriptures I'm going to read to you. Deuteronomy 32 and 10 says, he guards you as the apple of his eye. I'm like, okay, now I don't, I don't know what that means, Lord, the apple of your eye, but okay, that, sound, that sounds pretty good. I, I like that. Psalms 149 and 4, he takes pleasure in you. He takes pleasure in you. You could, you could read that whole scripture, all of it. Leviticus 26 and 12, God walks with you. Okay. Psalms 5 and 12, he covers you with his favor. Me? Yeah. Genesis 49, 25, he blesses you. Deuteronomy 4.31, and will never abandon you. In Genesis 1 and 27, he created you in his image. Me? Really? He did. He created you in his image. Psalms 145 and 15, he provides for you. Jeremiah 31 and 3, he loves you forever. Isaiah 41 and 13, and hold your right hand. God chose you, John 15 and 16. 1 John 4 and 10, God loves you. Psalms 139 and 2, he knows your ways. Isaiah 46 and 14, he carries you. Psalms 27 and 10, he accepts you. He has engraven you in the palm of his hands. He is not leaving you. Amen. 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 Your trust, your trust needs to be in Jesus Christ because he loves you. He loves you. Amen. So I mentioned faith, and and faith is, is the tenet of my life. It's it's what I feel like beyond trust is faith. And faith is a gift that God has given to me, I feel like, because I I have this trust. So I don't mind saying God's gonna do something for you. Because I'm I don't have any question about whether or not I said it. My trust is in him. See, that's something that we, we have to make that switch in our heads sometimes, that it's not about us. Yeah. It is not about you. It's not about how pretty you are. It's not about how good you are. It's not about how, about how many people like you. Yeah. It's about the God that you serve. Yeah. 
The Bible says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. And the ASV says, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, a conviction of things not seen. And I was reading these, and then the CSE says, it's a different interpretation. Now faith is the reality of what's hoped for, the proof of what we do not see. Now, I don't know about y'all, but I have a peripheral brain, right? Now, some people call their computer their peripheral brain, and, uh, and I have one of those, too. I have a couple of those. As a matter of fact, I have a phone. Ooh, I have a smartphone. It does so much. But, you know, you can look things up, but I don't do that. I ask my husband. He's my peripheral brain. And I said, baby, I'm, I'm reading that scripture, and I'm thinking about that scripture, you know, because I know that. I, I, I memorized the whole chapter, 11th chapter, book of Hebrews, you know, years ago, and in school, and, and you know, and I could quote everything about it, and but <coughs> excuse me, I've been sick. I'm not anymore, but my lungs are still trying to get the message. But um, I had asked my peripheral brain what he thought about that scripture because I had to think about. It. I thought, now, Lord, I'm not. What is faith is the proof? What 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 does that mean? And and he said something to me. He said because as long as you read that and you're in the flesh, it doesn't mean anything to you. You have to step over into the spirit for that to mean anything to you and get out of the flesh. I'm like, okay, okay. So what you're saying, Lord, is now faith is the reality of what is hoped for in the spirit. And it's the proof of what's not seen in the spirit. Not how I perceive it. But God, because I have faith, it's done in the spirit. It's already accomplished in the spirit just with my little bit of faith. And my little bit of faith might not be much, but it's my faith because I trust God. Amen? Now, I'm going to give you a few little, little, little tidbits here, and I'm about done. I'm about to, I'm ready to hush. A few little tidbits. <laughs> You know, looking at faith, just 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 how I, I've looked at faith over the years, and I'm not I'm not a great person of faith. But the number one thing that I have had put in me over the years is to speak faith, don't speak fear. Don't speak fear. That doesn't mean you're not scared. That doesn't mean that you don't have all the fear. That means you don't let that let that enter into the atmosphere of where your faith is existing. My faith is here. Don't speak doubt into my faith. You can speak trust into my faith, but we're not speaking doubt into it. Now, my baby was diagnosed with some, she had a tumor in her neck when she was three. And they said, oh, they're trying to pronounce all these dread disease on her. She's got cancer. She's got this. She's got that. And my husband's a very analytical, smart, intelligent man. And he goes and he starts doing research. I don't do research. I don't want to know all the dread things they're going to say about my baby. I don't want to know because I got a source. You know what I do? I start calling people. I start texting. Pray. Pray. My baby's got something. Because that's how I learned to live. I learned to live where God is in the atmosphere of that. And he, 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 he's like, I never even realized that. Because he would say, well, you know, I, I was reading this. And, and it's the way he processes things. Our brains work differently. And he's got to talk through it to get through it. And me, I don't want to talk about it at all. I'm like, no, no. And he would come in and he'd say, they're saying osteosarcoma. And I'm like, mm, I don't, uh-uh, no. And he'd say, well, I, I need to talk about it. I'm like, I don't need to talk about it. 
I don't need to talk about it. I don't need to talk about it because I'm not speaking doubt. It. I'm not speaking something into existence that doesn't exist. I'm not accepting that. And if they tell me about baby has osteosarcoma, I'm saying, all right, God, I trust you. I trust you. Because she was a gift to me. And I've already walked through some, some mess giving her back to God. And that's another whole story. But I'm not, I, I just, I want you to get that. When you trust God, Yes. Speak faith into that. Don't let your mind go into all the things. I know the circumstances may look dark, but I'm believing God. I'm trusting God. God, I'm waiting on you. Yeah. Open your mouth and speak. God, I'm waiting on you to do something great in this situation. God, my baby's sick, but I'm waiting on you. I'm waiting on you because I know you're going to show up and you're going to change things. God, my children are not saved. My children are in drugs right now. God, I'm waiting on you to show up because you're greater than drugs. You're greater than this. My marriage is a mess, Lord, because I made some mistakes and I did some dumb stuff, but I know that you can make a difference. Lord, my finances are a mess and I can't pay my bills. I know I've done some dumb things. I know I've not, not been able to, to manage myself well, but Lord, I need some help. If you could help me to, to do this and get out of this situation. You know, it's amazing that if you don't look for God's hand in your life, you don't see it. If you don't stop and take a minute and say, now, Lord, where are you? You don't see it. You just keep blindly right on going through it. You know, think about the things that happen in your life. I, I, I told my dad the other day on the phone, I said, you know, it's so much happens around me all the time. Miracles happen all the time. And we just sometimes think, say, thank you, Jesus, and move on. And I'm like, no, I want to celebrate them. I want to celebrate them. I want to keep celebrating them. In the last two weeks, I have been exposed to very notable miracles in my family. In my family. My aunt, my Aunt Tina's 80. She was having intense breast pain. This is very open to you. Intense, intense, intense. They went in, they saw something and said, we're going to have to do a biopsy. It looks bad. You know, doctors are always negative because that's what they're supposed to be. They don't want to get your hopes up. So they're going to tell you all the negative stuff. Yes. Well, it's probably cancer. You're 80 years old. You're going to die of something. So, you know, they tell you, start telling you all this stuff. All right. So... She goes in, they said, okay, we're going to have to do a biopsy. And she's, in the meantime, she's in so much pain. And she finally calls the family and lets them know she's in so much pain. And we all start praying. Like, Lord, okay, now Jesus. Now Jesus, this is Tina. Lord, you know who Tina is. You know Tina, you know my Aunt Tina, Lord. Now, Lord, you're going to have to touch. You're going to have to heal her. I need, I need some blood to be applied, Lord, because you shed it. I need some blood. I plead the blood of Jesus Christ over her. How many of you know to speak the blood? I speak the blood of Jesus Christ because he shed his blood for our healing as well as our salvation. So, you know, we prayed for Aunt Tina, and she went in. They said, okay, the pain was immediately relieved. They said that immediately, immediately, when I tell you immediately. She said within an hour, it was completely gone, and it had been so excruciating for two or three days. She's an old country woman. You know, they bear that pain. 
then they go, oh, wait a second, I need to pray. <laughs> it hurts. So within an hour of us praying, the pain was gone. She went in for her biopsy, and the doctor that was doing her biopsy, he's like, well, we're going to do an ultrasound first so I can make sure I'm sticking in the right place. We're doing everything right. And he goes in there, and he goes, there's nothing there, lady. What are you here for? Where is it? We got the scans that show there's something there, but there's nothing there. There's nothing there. You know what we do? We say, okay, thank you, Jesus, and we move on. But no, God performed a miracle. Let it get into your brain. Let it get into who you are as a person, who you are as a faith person. God performed a miracle. God, I see that. I embrace that. I have a cousin who is 37 years old with a two-year-old. She had cancer. She went through all of her treatment, was pronounced clean. She recurred. She's going through it again. She, two weeks ago, put on Facebook, family put on Facebook. She's in so much pain, she can't move. She's liver so swollen, her abdomen so swollen. She's a little skinny thing, but she was in so much pain, she can't, she can't hardly, she can't sit still, she can't lay down, she can't stand up, she can't do anything. She's just in excruciating pain. And when I tell you, hundreds of people started praying, including my baby. My nine-year-old got in on it. Started praying for Tracy. And we got word the next day, they said, within about an hour of people starting to pray, they said, Tracy got relief. She didn't get relief from medicine. She didn't get relief from a doctor. She got relief from God. And let me tell you what, that doesn't seem like a big thing, but if you are the one in pain, you ever been in pain? God, I need you to intervene right now because this hurts. Let me tell you. Let me tell you, the big and the small things. My sister was taking a test. I'm being long-winded, aren't I? I'm sorry about that. My sister was taking a test last week. And it doesn't seem like a big thing. It's a certification test. It's just a test, you know. And she's a nurse, and she's BSN, all that stuff. And, and she's doing this certification thing because she does coding. And, and uh, But it was a big deal for her because she wanted to do some work from home. And she said, y'all pray, y'all pray. So we're praying every day. Me and Ellery are praying, and Nathan's praying. We're all praying for sis- my sister. And she calls, and she passed her test. We did a praise dance. Yes, we did. We rejoiced. We danced. We danced, and it seems like a small thing. But let me tell you how faith works. You start with the things that you can wrap your brain around. You say, now, Lord, I got a headache here. And this headache has been been getting me. It's been getting me. Now, I... I know that they talked about faith, and, and I've heard about faith, and I don't really know what that is, but Lord, would you, would you touch my headache? Hallelujah. It starts with the small things, and it starts to build, and you start looking for things, and you start seeing things. Now, for just a minute, I'm going to talk about how you ought to pray. Now, I, I just this is just growing up around it, but when I come to God... I'm not coming begging because I'm not some poor little peon out there in the kingdom of God and like, oh, Lord Jesus, would you please? No, that's not. I'm a child of God. I am a child of God. We've already established that he loves me, not because I'm perfect and I'm good, not because I look right, because he loves me. He 
loves me. I matter to him. So when I come, I'm coming with strength and assurance and knowing who I am in him. I'm coming in Jesus' name. I am praying, dear God, that you would touch my sister today, Lord. Because I don't know what's going on with her, but you know. From the top of her head to the soles of her feet, I pray divine healing over her body right now. In the name of Jesus, I speak it. I plead the blood over her. You speak it in Jesus' name. Not because you're afraid, because you know who your God is. You know who your God is. I know who Jesus is. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and you will have it. It will be done. Can we stand this morning? Church, I'd like you this morning just to take a minute. Take a minute. And I want you in your heart to think about those things that you've been needing but you haven't asked because maybe you don't feel good enough. Whatever all your baggage is you're coming with. All the things that we do, we rationalize why you don't deserve a miracle, why I can't get a miracle, what's going on, I don't know. Stop thinking about it. Stop letting your brain get in the way of your miracle this morning. And say, God, I believe that you love me. I believe that I am yours. I believe that you have put me here in your divine purpose. My trust is in you. And God, if I get what I need, it's going to be because you do it. And if you give it to me, I'm going to give you all the glory and all the praise. And I'm going I'm to tell everybody. I'm going to tell everybody because it's from you. I'm going to testify of your greatness and your great power. But in Jesus' name, I want you to think about something this morning that you've not even dared ask about because you just don't, you haven't done it. You just haven't done it. You haven't occurred to you. I want you to think about it this morning. I want you to lift your hands this morning and I want you to take that thing. God, I'm giving you this. I'm giving you this. I'm afraid and I'm scared and I haven't trusted, Lord. I don't trust easily and I haven't trusted you with this, but I'm giving it to you this morning. With all of my heart, I'm giving it to you. Lord, I ask that you move in this situation. Lord, I ask that you make a way in this situation. Lord, you said you would in your word. You've spoken it to me. I believe what you said, oh God. I'm not coming in fear. I'm coming with assurance that you are the great physician. You are the great healer. You are the one that makes a way when there is no way, oh God. You're the one who changes things. When the doctor says one thing, you say something else. When my bills say one thing, you say something else. When my marriage says one thing, you say something else. God, I trust you. Everything else lets me down, but I trust you this morning. You are great. Charlotte. If this podcast has blessed you, please rate it with four or five stars. By doing so, you will help others find our free podcast and bless them. 
If you're in the Charlotte, North Carolina area, come worship with us at 4929 North Sharon Amity Road. For information about service times, church ministries, and so much more, visit us online at firstchurchclt.com. If you would like to help support our efforts, please text GIVE to 704-445-5353. We pray God's richest blessings to you. Come, worship with us.